Okay, ladies and gentlemen. Feels a little hot. Friends, coming in hot. Like even right now, it's picking me up over here. But when I'm like right here, like this is definitely, I feel like I just noticed that it, it was peaking okay. right there. So. Turn it down for what? Don't, don't, don't. Do you want me to start this again? Yeah. Well, did you want to do banter in the beginning? And that was it. That was it. it. That, was that was it. the banter. I figure that out, yeah. All right, friends, listeners, enough of this. Let's shout some worth and shift some narratives for people with Down syndrome. Welcome to another episode of the Lucky Few Podcast. This is Heather, and I am here today with one of my favorite humans who we share a last name and a house and a bed. Is that weird to say? <laughs> hey, friends, it's I'm back. It's Josh Davis. We are still in the month of February, and this month we know is Black History Month, and it's also Inclusion Awareness Month. And so Josh and I are going to hop on here. This is an unscripted conversation about inclusion, and we're basing it off of our experience even this school year and as early as this past week when it comes to our children with Down syndrome and inclusion and what we're experiencing and then what some of all y'all listeners have been sending our way as well. So we're excited, excited. I don't know. Excited might be the wrong word. We're grateful to get to be here and have this conversation with you. Welcome everyone to the Lucky Few Podcast. All right, Lucky Few podcast listeners, who wants to step up in the advocacy space? I know I do. Who wants to hang out with me and my entire family next April in Washington, D.C.? Hands also go up. Well, I'm excited to let you know that the National Down Syndrome Society is proud to present the Down Syndrome Advocacy Conference, which takes place in Washington, D.C., April 17th to the 19th, 2023. So mark those calendars. This is an event for every single person in your family, for people with Down syndrome and those who love them of all ages. It's also gonna be in partnership with Advocacy Partner and the National Down Syndrome Congress. You don't need any previous experience in policy or advocacy to participate. Scholarships are available. To learn more, you go to www.ndss.org DSAC. I hope to see you there. All right, before we get started on this conversation, Josh, would you like to read a review? I would. You guys, these, like I said before, these reviews mean so much to us. And it's really helpful to get the feedback, not only for us and how we can make the show better, but also when you leave a review, it helps people find us. So let me read one for you. It's JMC009 says... I've recommended this podcast to countless friends. Listening is like sitting around a table with friends who are processing through similar parenting journeys. I recommend. Well, JMC009, thank you for that. And that's exactly what we're doing today. Uh, We're sitting around the table and we're processing. We have a lot of processing to do. Uh, So friends, don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get podcasts. And when you do... I hope we get to read it. Dun, 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 dun. Okay. All right, you ready? Let's get going. Okay. 
I'm going to set the stage. So I'm going to share a little bit about something going on with Macy and school, which I've talked about here on the podcast before. As a lot of our listeners know, we are located in Southern California. And I recently found out there was a study done by, well, we're going to post a link to it. Um, I actually saw it on Common Ground Society's Instagram account, and they're friends of ours who have been on the podcast a couple of times, and they're going to be on next month. And they posted a study that was done that rated, essentially, schools in the United States based on how well they do inclusion, and California was fourth from the bottom. And I think it was just in the continental United States. So 48 states, California was number 44. So God bless California in that regard. And every time I talk to people about how hard inclusion is in California, people are shocked because California overall is a pretty progressive state, um, which is one thing we love about this state. We know a lot of people exited California for those reasons, but we are grateful for to live here for lots and lots of reasons. But school has been a real tricky thing. So Macy's in eighth grade. Um, we also have the pandemic going against us. It messed everything up as we all know. And again, we're actually going to be talking to Common Ground Society in a few weeks about that very topic. But COVID has been a player. California schools are shut down for an entire school year. So let me just get to the point here. What I'm trying to say is it's been really hard. We actually hired a lawyer. We've been working with a lawyer for the last, well, for this entire school year with Mason and August. They're from the Inclusive Education Project. If you want to look them up, could not recommend them more. They've also been guests on the podcast. They live in Southern California. They they're understand IEP law. Um, that's what they do is IEP law. So we've been working with this lawyer all year. We've got that going for us. And we've been, we have a really great IEP set up for Mason that the entire IEP team agrees on. And this was back in October that we had this meeting. And somehow here we are the very end of February. And a lot of what we decided as a team to be implemented and for supports for Macy to be successful aren't happening still. So here we are. Now, what this looks like is it comes out in behavior. We know that behavior is nonverbal communication. And these behaviors for Macy look like refusing to go to class, leaving class, getting frustrated in class, acting out in ways that are totally unexpected. And that has led over the last couple of weeks to... Phone, like her being in the office and us getting a phone call. Macy's in the office. Would you like to talk to her? She gets on the phone. We talk, talk it through. She'll go back to class. And this just keeps happening. Um, we've asked for meetings. We've had meetings. And really, we've said all there is to say. I have nothing new to say. So last week, I was driving right past the school after going on a beautiful hike in our local little mountains there. And I drive past the school. And as I'm passing the school, I get a phone call. And there it is. The school number. How many parents raise your hands can relate to your kid's school number popping up and your stomach drops, right? Raise raise of hands. Every time. Every time. Every time. Um, I mean, bless our son's school. They'll, they'll call and start with, nothing's wrong. Like, if this is what we're starting with, this is too hard. So there, there's that. And they said, Mason's here in the office. She doesn't want to go to class. She doesn't want to talk on the phone. Basically, like, what should we do? And I just couldn't, I couldn't anymore. I had nothing left in me to say no more. I've like that. Like I said, the conversations have been had. Um, I had nothing left to give. And so I just said, I'm picking her up. And they said, thank you. And then I went in and picked her up and took her home. And 
shared about it on social media, about how frustrated I am, about how if I knew what to do, I would do it, how we have exhausted our resources. It's interesting how many people come back with a suggestion, which I want to get to a few of those suggestions, but we, we have exhausted our resources for the community in which we live. And here we are, right? Yeah. Here we are. Yeah. Uh, Mason's missing school. And here's what I believe it to be. Well, Josh, I want to hear, what do, you, what do you think is the reason for Mason having such a hard time in middle school? Oh, man. So many thoughts. I think it's a lot of, it's very layered and it's very nuanced. And I also want to be careful as we have an active, open IEP. It feels like we're saying an active, open investigation. I think the school is wildly under-resourced. And I think they're still reeling from the pandemic. I think there's a lot of good intentions. I think the basis of all of this is the reason why this isn't working is is a systemic problem from the very from the very beginning. the The foundation is broken, and so if we're trying to build something for Mason for her belonging in this school, and it's built on something that won't sustain it, then it's you can't you can't build on something that's broken. So it starts. I think it has so much to do with belonging. I think it has so much to do with. Um, having a daughter who can't communicate with us uh, her ins and outs of the day. And that feels really tricky. And so we started a communication log. We started, we've done many, many things. We have lots of tools. We have some resources to help us figure out what's best for Mace. And yet here we are, we're still picking her up from school and it's not working. I think um, we can give more examples of, I mean, I don't know how much we want to get into the details without, with it being so real and so raw and right now. Yeah. I don't think it's about the details. I think it's the bigger picture, right? The high level picture is Mason's not feeling like she belongs in a space because and we talked about this on the podcast in last, last week's episode, that idea that belonging is the absence of not belonging. And I mean, there's classes on campus that are basically, she's not even allowed to be in. She's expected, kids like her are expected to be in a completely separate program. And let me talk about this for a second, okay, listeners, dear listeners, because a lot of you have kids in a separate program. Some of you are like, absolutely, that's, you have no problem, no like gut checks about that. Others of you, because there's such a push for inclusion, especially in the Down syndrome community, you almost feel bad about it. I talk to moms who like feel guilty that their kid is in a separate classroom or a separate program or a separate school for people with disabilities. Here's the thing about a separate program, you guys. I don't believe there's anything wrong with a separate program. It depends on where it's birthed from. So when the foundation in which, if we start with the foundation of belonging and belonging friends should not ever be the end goal, it should be the starting place. When we start with a foundation of belonging, meaning every person steps into, we'll use school here since we're talking about, steps into a school, it's seen as fully human, totally capable, as they are, they are good and they're embraced and celebrated as they are. Um, they belong. They belong in the space. We're so happy you're here. You're in the right place, right? Exactly who you are is exactly who we pick. I'm quoting myself. These are my children, my most recent children's book, Everyone Belongs. But if that is the starting place, and then from there we start to build, and we build schools. And as we're building schools, we're going to realize, oh, a separate program 
and a separate space is what's going to serve a certain person best. But our starting place was seeing them as fully human, embracing them as fully human, celebrating them as they are, as a disabled person, as fully human, not half human, fully human. And so when we're building the separate spaces, then they're being built with this idea of belonging in mind because separate spaces are going to be best for a lot of people. So I'm not opposed to a separate place. It's where the separate place that I think, I think of Macy school and I think of a separate classroom and I think it was built because not as a place for people to go and be celebrated as they are, but kind of like to be put aside because it's just easier for the general population. This is what I think. And that is not belonging. And I also don't think that you can create, I don't think that you can successfully instill inclusive practices when foundationally belonging doesn't exist. Yeah. So that's the high, like the high level. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Stop me because I'm kind of ranty. How would you succinctly define the the difference between inclusion and belonging? I think belonging is the foundation. Belonging is, like I just said, belonging is saying exactly who you are is who we pick. We want you here. Inclusion is implementing that foundation of belonging. So inclusion is then creating spaces that work for all different kinds of people. Yeah. Um, inclusion is a practice. I would say belonging is foundational. Belonging is a mindset. It's a, it's comes from the heart, right? Like it's a heart and a yeah. soul and a gut thing. Yeah. And inclusion is a practice that comes from a foundation of yeah. belonging. Yeah. What do you say? Say. So the other night, things have been kind of crazy at home. And so I've had some sleepless nights and we recently had a fundraiser for our foundation called story school. And the theme was belonging and all these storytellers came together and did this beautiful night around the theme of belonging. And as we were getting ready for this event, I just in the middle of the night, I woke up and I, I couldn't get this theme off my brain. And so I just started doing some research and in the middle of the night, I'm on my phone and I'm finding these different things that talk about belonging. And I found this one that said inclusion is giving someone with Down syndrome, I'm adding that part, someone with Down syndrome, a seat at the table. Belonging is that someone with Down syndrome at the table has a voice, is known, and fully accepted as they are. It's basically saying the same thing that you just said, but I just feel like we're missing the belonging part. We are getting distracted by in inclusion, that even these inclusive practices aren't even happening, but we're calling in inclusion and saying, we're good. We're good. She's here. She's in the class. She's here. Yeah. But she doesn't have a voice, and they don't know her. Yeah, or she's she's in the class, and the kids walk by and give her a high five or whatever it is, and then I see her walking onto campus and by herself, and every time I see her on campus, she's isolated, and even looking at, like, the last dance she went to and going on the Instagram page and seeing pictures from the whole dance, and it's like she's, sit, she's dancing, having fun, totally by herself, and all around her are a bunch of people dancing together and it's these visuals right like it yeah so she's in the space okay i'm not congratulating anybody on that anymore <laughs> that's we're past that friends we're past that
So I post this post about feeling frustrated and that I don't know what to do. And what was really interesting, friends, is hundreds of people commented. Well, a couple hundred people. Um, The majority of these comments, and some are from many of you, are like a me too. I'm just going to read some. It's it's really, um, I said to somebody, it's heartbreaking and comforting at the same time. Like, you know what? None of us want to feel alone in this. And sometimes it feels so isolating and lonely. And then to know that other people are experiencing it makes you feel less alone and a little less wacky. And because I think that we're seeing in the public eye often situations that are successful, you know, like those are fun and good to share. So it's like, look at my daughter. I thought middle school was going to be so scary. And it's been so great. And she's a part of this club and she's a part of this organization and she's joining this thing and she's getting these grades and all that. She or he or they. And it's great. I'm very happy for that person. And it's isolating because that's, I can't relate. And that's what I want desperately for my child. So some of you guys just went on here and said, um, someone said, I'm so sorry, friend. School is tough. I have this internal battle constantly. Is it worth pushing or do I just bring him home and do school together and let the shenanigans go? Mm. Um, Josh and I, I can't tell you the amount of times we have said, we're just going to pull them out. Right? Yeah. And I mean, we did in the last two weeks, not pull them out completely, but literally went and picked her up and brought her home. Um, And that brings up before I read other people's experiences, homeschool gets brought up a lot. And I mean, it makes so much sense. And you guys who listen know that Mercedes, who's a co-host on here, she does homeschool and she's had incredible success with homeschool. And it's so fun to watch her journey. And I love it. And it's working for her. And I wish it was that easy. And so a lot of people suggest about homeschooling, we should homeschool, we should homeschool, try homeschool. But what that means is that I can't work. One of us has to quit working if we're going to do homeschool. Um, Also, I think that a lot of people have success with homeschool when they're connected to a charter school and it's, then you run into some of the same things, you know, like you're like, I want my kid with a disability to be a part of this charter. And then people are like, well, I know where one is. Well, I'm also not driving 30, 45 minutes. I don't want to leave my community for my kid to go to school. I think that defeats the purpose of school in my opinion. Um, or the purpose, one of the main reasons why to be connected to a charter and, I would, I'm just not going to be good at homeschooling. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was right? going to say is that it takes a special, It, I mean, it just, it's a fit thing, I think. It has to be a good fit and we're just not there yet. Yes, but the amount of times that we've considered it, the amount of research I've done and looked into things. And other schools. And other schools, we've applied to our local private Christian school and we're denied entrance from AC. Um, it's, yeah, it when I've said we've exhausted our resources, we've exhausted our resources. And I recognize that that is, can be specific to where we are because there's a lot of people in around our nation who find whose states are numbers one through 20. Maybe I don't know where the cutoff is where inclusion's being done really well. And I love that. And dear California, you don't have to reinvent the wheel here. Why don't you go ahead and copy state number one? We should find out what the number one state is. That's my that's my thing with homeschool. Um, it's just so much easier said than done. As moms who homeschool, or parents who homeschool, caregivers who homeschool should understand. Okay, this other mom said, sometimes you just have to be done, and that's okay. Be done. Done for today, the week, the year, whatever. 
we can only do and take so much. Parents cannot be solely responsible for all the things when there is a whole team. Macy cannot carry the full weight of belonging and adapting and constantly square pegging in a round hole all by herself in the hell that is middle school. Hmm. I'm sorry. No answers. Just love and light. Yeah. That's so real. We've one of the things that's been really burdensome on our hearts this school year with Mace um, is this like the stress and trauma that she's experiencing going to school every day as a square peg in a round hole. Um, or trying to fit into a round hole. And I don't want her to hold that, right? No, not at all. Another mom said, and I thought this was, I think a lot of us listening, a lot of us caregivers and parents listening can relate to this. She said, this parent, this mom said, I think it's the never being able to clock out that really takes a toll as a parent of a disabled person. Each thing in isolation isn't that hard, but when it's, unpredictable and never ending. It's just exhausting. And yeah, that's what it is. Last week's episode. If you haven't listened, friends, I hope you'll go back and listen. We talked about microaggressions and how like all these little things in isolation, it's okay. And you can deal with it, but it's constant and it's unpredictable and it just comes at you in waves and they add up to be all consuming. Well, that's what I was just going to say is, after so after this experience and you writing this post and putting it out there what what was your response to these these comments and the feedback like what where are you with all of this right now with i think it's a couple of feelings and partly why i wanted to hop on here and talk about this so the first is definitely feel less alone right it's like oh okay other people are going through this too i don't want any of any of us to be going through this so that what I said earlier, there's this sense of feeling devastated, heartbroken and comforted in this weird way. And I don't think that we offer ourselves in the down syndrome community where I'm, where I spend most of my time in the disability space. I don't think that we offer ourselves the opportunity to talk about it that much. I think in a society where we're all about, like being better and fixing things and tying bows around things. And it's hard to say this is really hard period. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And there's a lot of us out there who are just like, whew, this is a lot and I'm not okay. And it's, and I don't want to see that video of the person doing the great fun thing because we've seen those. I do. I know. I want to know of the mom who's like, yeah, this is hard and I'm in it too. So there's comfort in that. And then it's reading everybody's comments. It's just like, come on, you guys, we have to do better. Yeah. Right. Like we yeah. love people with down syndrome. We know that, that what a gift it is to get to love a person with down syndrome and learn alongside them and learn from them, and do life together. Yeah. And I think what we're asking our school systems, it's really not that much. Right. We're just right. asking them to right. embrace our kid as they are. As I'm sharing all this and talking, it's just like heavy. You know, I think that it just feels heavy and I want to make space for that. And I also want to recognize that it isn't always heavy. And I think that this is actually something that's really tricky Mm. is that ping ponging back and forth, Mm. kind of like what that mom said, it's Mm. unpredictable. And so things this year, I'm going to let Josh share a little bit about August and it's been a great school year. 
with some low lows, but mostly a really great school year after what was a horrific school year. And what will next year be? We just don't know. And that, that instability. Oh, right. Everyone listening. It's so, um, jarring and do I dare say traumatizing? I don't know. Mm. Little T trauma. Talk about Augie in school and what we're seeing in terms of inclusion. Yeah. So Augie, like Heather said, has had a, a rough year previously to this year and sweet boy we got to meet his teacher in the beginning of the year she made time to (laughs) sorry okay I don't know if this is going to make it in there or not but um, that is the that is um, our security cam inside the house because we're in a detached garage recording this just Heather and I in Mason's home because she got sick last night and we actually hit the volume. So last year there was a lot of intentionality going into this year and we got to meet Augie's teacher and, and she immediately got down on his level and really got to just get to know him. She wasn't asking us questions. She was asking him questions and he walked out of that introduction prior to the year starting and he had made a connection and he, he was seen, he was, he felt known. So then fast forward to this year, it hasn't been smooth. We've had some rough days. We had a really rough day two days ago. And the difference is that when August has a rough day, he can go back into that classroom and his, and his classmates and especially his teacher know who he is and, they accept him. He has a bad day here and there or is missing something or doesn't want to go to speech or doesn't want to follow the plan or is having just an off day. August feels safe. He feels known. He feels cared for and he can go in and apologize. But also the teachers can have a moment and say, what can we do to help? How can we get to know August better? How can we teach maybe a little bit differently? And it's amazing. It's it's incredible. And it I feel that this could be a model for so many other teachers for so, for so, I mean, it really is a foundation for moving ahead and for saying this is what worked last year. And yeah, I mean, am I missing anything that you would add? Just that it is a space of belonging. He walked into a classroom that the foundation of that space is belonging for him, for every kid there. It's not, it's not just about August. It's everyone who finds themselves in that classroom, which is, amazing that his teacher has been able to do that. And so he is not just in the room, but he has a seat at the table and a voice and his peers are learning from him and he's contributing to the classroom as he is not because he's some like star with down syndrome, but because he is embraced fully as a kid with down syndrome with his abilities and lack of abilities and given a voice in the, in the room. Yeah. Yeah. And I love some of the stuff that we get feedback on in terms of his classes. I think each kid in their uniqueness is celebrated in their who they are as a unique human. Yeah. Yeah. Are you crying? No, I'm not crying. I am a crier, though.
So Heather, what would you say to a mom, a dad, a caregiver out there in our shoes in this moment right now? What what would you say to them? In our shoes? I mean, are we allowed to cuss? Are we, are we bleeping? <laughs> <laughs> are we making this an explicit? Yeah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Not. We're not going to. That's too much work for my editor who's sitting next to me. Um, I'm so sorry. Mm. And I'm with you. Um, it's too much. It's too much. And it shouldn't be this way. And I'm sorry that it is. And I hope it's not for long. I don't know. Now Josh is crying, you guys. <laughs> That's what I would say. And I would want to give him a big hug and then maybe we can meet up for a happy hour later. And I would also say this, don't let the lies of the world that are trying to tell you that have since you learned that you were gonna have a child with Down syndrome have been trying to whisper in your ear that your child is not good because they have Down syndrome. Don't fall back into that trap. You've gotten out, you got out of that. You got to the other side, as we say around here. Um, You see your loved one with Down syndrome as good with Down syndrome, as human, with Down syndrome. And these scenarios are trying to tell us, your kid is half human, they're going to need to work twice as hard to be seen as half as much. Um, And it's a lie. So go hug your kid. You know, go hug your kid. That thing, that gift that they invited us into, which is to see and understand the intrinsic value and worth in every human, um, that's still there. So go give them a hug and let that tether you as the world around you that doesn't understand this gift and this invitation that our kids with Down syndrome have given us. Try to whip you around. Um, Don't believe it. You are doing such a good job and your kid having a moment at school or moments or days or weeks or a year in which they're behaving in a way that is unexpected or challenging. that does not define them and does not define you as a parent. You're doing such a good job and your kid is incredible. So go give him a hug, a big old hug. And as we say, as Augie's teacher says, tomorrow's a new day. And August says, tomorrow's a new day. Um, I will also say, I guess I have a lot to say. I didn't realize. I would also say, <laughs> trust your gut, trust your gut. And when you get a call from the school and you know that you need to take the day off work and pick your kid up and bring him home, do that. On this note, sorry, sorry, listeners, or thanks, listeners, for letting me tangent or rant here a little bit, or I guess just all over the place. Another parent reached out and said, when your child is in the office or has a behavior at school that they're not supposed to have, do you discipline them? Like, do you take away their iPad or their screen time or whatever? And I said, oh my goodness, no. Like for Mason and August to go onto campus and just even step onto their campus it takes so much energy and effort and bravery for them just to do that. And so, and then when something like this happens, it's not, yes, my kids know what is expected and unexpected behaviors. And, and yes, there's accountability for when as a human, they behave in a way that, that requires some kind of accountability. But in these scenarios, like when I got Macy from school yesterday, I'm like, dude, I'm going to freaking take her to Disneyland. I didn't take her to Disneyland because it was cold and I don't want to be cold, but, um, (laughs) and other reasons, but she, their behavior is in response to a system that is working against them. Mm. My child will not be 
disciplined or receive consequences because of a lack of competency of the system that they're a part of. Mm. So hug your kid, take him to ice cream, give him a kiss and tomorrow's a new day Yeah, and hug yourself. <laughs> That's really good. So good. So good. Let's just say that a parent out there is listening to this and they forward this onto someone on their IEP team or um, maybe someone who is their teacher or who is their para, what would you say to those in those spaces? That hasn't already been said. You've said so many good things. And we can cut this. Sure. Um, A couple of other people commented on the post from last week and said that they are in the education system and educators are weary. And we see that. Um, Schools are understaffed and under financed under no what's the word under sourced yeah schools are understaffed and under resourced and the supports that are needed are not in place and to that there is a lot of grace and then grace by definition never runs out but there's also something has to be done you know so you are seen and grateful for all the hard work and what can we do together to, to make waves? You know, what can we do together to make this work? Educators are some of the most creative people Mm. in the world. So let's get creative. Let's push the boundaries. Like let's do the thing that hasn't been done. Yeah. On that note, a little bit on that note, we got this email from a listener and I'll just say real quick, Last week's podcast, uh, 196, Seven. 197, 197, you guys, if you haven't listened to it, please go back and listen to it. It is so good. It is so good. Thanks, babe. And we got this email, and this is along the lines of what you were just talking about, Josh, or what you asked me. This came from a listener after listening to that, and she said, listening to the podcast episode Zero school days out from crying at work about my kid being excluded equals all the feels learning some hard lessons working at his school this year, like that performative inclusion will often be prioritized. And that if you are kind and patient and give people the benefit of the doubt, you and your kid will be ignored. Mm. But if you get, and that basically being closer to the situation doesn't open the door to more advocacy, just more heartbreak and hopelessness because you get to watch your kid be excluded and underserved up close every single day. Wow. Whew. I feel that. I feel that. Yeah. We see you guys and just want to say, keep going. And even saying, keep going, that doesn't always mean action. Mm. That's good. You know, say more about that. Well, I think, (laughs) I was in therapy this week and he said one thing I'm practicing to say out loud right now is I'm doing the best I can that's what it is I'm doing the best I can and I just want to say that to everyone out there that I want you to practice saying I'm doing the best I can and (laughs) be gentle on yourself that's good this person said sometimes we just have to do nothing so, or sometimes we have to just not do anything. Just stay present with love and hugs. 
that's good. Yeah. Big sigh. Also, listener, if you have a solution for me, <laughs> just tell us. Like I said, I'll do it. I'll do it. And it's not homeschool. I want it to be homeschool. Well, I want it to be homeschool more desperately than you guys know. So that's interesting. It's interesting you say that because I think there is a moment in all of this that we are weary and beaten down and this has been really hard. But also I will say we are learners. And if we can learn something to help our kids, all of us are, we can get creative too. And so I will say that let's try not to be, um, let's try not to let the hardness harden our hearts towards um, being too prideful to learn and to listen. Mm. And I think we can all learn from this hardship and, and just, that's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to be a learner when things are so hard. And, but I think that's how we grow too. That's good. That's good. On that note, how about some good news? Oh, some good news. We're going to take a little break. We'll be back for some good news. All right, friends, it is almost March which means World Down Syndrome Day is coming up. And somehow it's become World Down Syndrome Month. (laughs) And so with that, friends, we want to help you be equipped to shout the worth of your loving with Down Syndrome. Right now at the Lucky Few Shop, we are offering a buy one sweatshirt and get any one tea or hat at 50% off. You heard that right. In time to start celebrating World Down Syndrome Day, and in a way to shout the worth of our loved one with Down syndrome, head over to theluckyfew.co. That's theluckyfew.co. You can enter promo code WDSD23 at checkout. And when you buy one sweatshirt, you can get any hat or any t-shirt at 50% off. Go stock up, get yourself some new swag, and let's celebrate Down syndrome together. some good news always good news friends there's always good news always something good to celebrate there is there is okay so i don't know who else is in this who's in the same category as us but our doctor we re- asked us to get blood drawn every year it's always after mason's physical and do we go and run out and get the blood work with mason that no. day no. no 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 when did we get the orders uh last december Last December, but before that, a year before that, and it ran out. It expired, and we had to get a new order. So I took her yesterday, and it took a minute to get in. And she didn't want to go, of course, not without fighting. And we checked in her, checked her in early, and we go in, and she was pumped. She was ready. And, and that's the thing with Mason. When she's ready, she's ready. And so then there was this small window, and we go in, and she sits down, and she says, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And then... The tech comes over. The tech was amazing. She was amazing. You guys, she was amazing. And Mason pulled her arm back. The other tech came over and kind of held her arm down. And I said, you have a small window. You need to go. And she did it. She did it. Mason sat there, had her blood drawn without freaking out. It felt like a miracle. It felt like we climbed Mount Everest. It was a miracle. It was some good news. <laughs> good news. I have another, another good news for August. This is an Avis day, y'all. August has been going to 
Mrs. Brown's house. We've had her on the podcast, which we need to have her on again. So happy to learn with Mrs. Terry Brown. Look it up. She's the best. You can do it from your home, but we get to go in person twice a week. Sorry, twice a month. And this last week, August drew, he, he just started drawing happy faces recently in the last six months or a year or so. And he drew a body on his happy face and with arms and legs. And August is a bit of a perfectionist, which keeps him from doing things because he feels like if he can't do it right, he's not even going to try. But he, Mrs. Brown's house is a very safe space and he drew this body and it wasn't a perfect circle. Oval, it was a little wobbly, he said. He said, My body's a little wobbly. Mrs. Brown said, Some bodies are wobbly. <laughs> so that's my good news. Augie's drawing these bodies, and it's just so fun to watch that progress being made. <gasps> Ooh, thunder and lightning. You guys probably didn't hear that, but there's thunder in outside going on right now. And with that, we're wrapping it up. Um, thank you, friends, for listening to this episode. I if it resonated with you and you want to reach out, you can email me, heather at theluckyfew.com. You can also email the podcast, hello at theluckyfewpodcast.com. And we love to hear from you and just know that you're not alone. We are with you in this. And it's we're wrapping it up. Thank you, Josh Avis, for editing this episode. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks, Leader, for producing it, and Ashley Fracalosi for managing our social media. If you liked this episode, we hope that you'll share it with family and friends and educators. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also head over to the luckyfewpodcast.com for show notes. We're going to include a picture of Augie's wobbly body that he drew and links to anything that we talked about today that is linkable and make sure you're following on social media at the lucky few pod. If you have good news to share, head over to the lucky few pod on Instagram and leave us a direct message with your good news. We would love to share it with the rest of our listeners on an episode coming up and listener, you are slaying it. You are slaying it. We are here with you. We love you so much. You are loved and adored and we are always cheering you on and we can't wait to be together on another episode. Until then, bye. Bye.